Welcome to the Zappos.com podcast, where we strive to inspire, communicate, educate, and entertain. Support for the Zappos podcast comes from ZapposProductionGroup.com, which aims to wow the world by breathing life into every event planner's vision. And doing a lot of the, the work on campus and just muraling, just anything art-related, it gets to a point where I can go hours, hours just creating and just dribbling and just painting and just getting into it to the point like when my hands just start it gets so so heavy and I'm like okay I think I'm done and then for some reason I'll just go I'll flick I'll flick my paintbrush to my left hand and my left hand just takes over naturally and I just started doing that in the last like five years and I actually I can I can I can't write I can't I can't write I can't like do anything steady but I can actually paint and I can uh I can scale my left hand too. This new series of our podcast episodes will be focusing on stories from the newly released The Power of Wow book, which is essentially the follow-up to Tony Shea's best-selling Delivering Happiness book. We'll be sharing stories from Zappos employees from every part of the organization, powerful lessons they have learned during their tenure, about business and about life. I'm Jean Markell, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with Miguel Hernandez, who heads up Done in Color. Hey, Miguel. Hey, Jean. What's up? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. First, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room, or actually the giant in the room. Um, I know you are a diehard San Francisco Giants <laughs> fan. Um, how did that possibly come to be? Um, didn't you grow up in L.A.? Yeah, uh, originally from L.A. You're, you're not wrong about that. I grew up with Dodgers, Dodger Blue, Dodger Family. So why, why did you switch to the dark side? Uh to be perfectly honest, it was one of those things that um, I just jumped on the, the the bandwagon when Barry Bonds was like hitting just like those bombs out the air, and then eventually um, when I met my girl, it was just like tradition, and it was almost like church to go to AT and T Park and uh, the Bay Area and then Oakland A games and Raider like Raider games. It's just so everything Bay Area for the last twenty years has been. All right, all right. I'm gonna move on. You know how I feel. Yeah, sorry for the loss. Genuinely, <laughs> yeah. genuinely, I'm sorry for the loss. Really. Uh, all right, yeah. all right. Um, so I've been reading the Power of Wow book, and though certainly every individual story is interesting, I think yours is particularly unique, and I think our listeners will find it really inspiring. So, um, would love to talk about that a little bit. So, um, when did you begin working at Zappos, and what were your early roles? So I started back in September of 2011. Uh, well, it's been something it's about eight years now, over eight years now. And I actually first started with CLT and within CLT, I did. That's our customer loyalty team. Yeah. Our, our Cust- call yeah. center. Sorry. Customer loyalty team yeah. and the call center. Yeah. Uh, but even with that, um, that one role is, in, it encompasses a bunch of other roles, which is like mentoring side by side, shadowing, uh, uh, overflow, uh, emails, chat, like it's, it's a lot. How long were you in those, those, all those different roles within CLT? Uh, for like four, 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 five years. Okay. So over half the time that you've been here Mm -hmm. at Zappos. So that, that kind of sets the stage, but then I'm going to throw things off timing wise. I'm going to just mess with our listeners here. Uh, let's actually now take a step back into your childhood before you, you know, fell in love with the San Francisco Giants. Um, um, as I understood it, you've loved art since you were a kid. What are like your very earliest recollections of uh, when you were growing up? Like, was there particular projects or a type of art form that you gravitated towards? When I first started doing anything art, um, I remember this particular situation where um, I was in third grade, uh, Miss Sanchez class. 
Oh, that's that, impressive. If that's okay. <laughs> that's, if, yeah. If that's okay to use your name. Uh, Shout out to Mrs. Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mrs. Sanchez, for my, for my opportunity, my, my shot. This particular situation was uh, one of those situations where, you know, kids are going to be kids. And you just can't help to, you know, to look back at it and go, that's where it all started. That's where I knew I needed to do this. At that time, she was responsible for creating, like, these banners for, like, the lounge. And uh, she was entrusted to, to have kids create these banners. And then uh, they would hang them up for a certain amount of time. And then that would be it. So there was kids out in the hallway. Like, I, m- I remember just noticing them that they would just color and fill, color and fill. And little did I know, they were actually drawing a lot of the images and they were actually filling posters. One particular kid, his name was Oswaldo. I remember him specifically because throughout the entire time that we, we were together going to school, it, he was just a phenom. Like he just can take something and just replicate it easily on paper, on walls, on anything. Ms. Sanchez, before she started the class, she's like, hey, uh, is there anybody here interested in contributing to this mural? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, please. Like I've never done anything like that before. Yeah. So she walks me out to the hallway with all the other kids and uh, she goes, so Miguel's gonna be out here helping you guys. And without hesitating, the kids are like, no, you know, like that long, like, no, like everything is crashing and Whoa. like their world is just like going to be interrupted by some other person that doesn't understand what, you know, what it means to be a group, what it means to be part of this little collective that they have going on here. So I feel kind of bad. I feel kind of, you know, left out. And I will never, ever forget that because that was that moment where I was like, okay, like I get it. She's just like, you know, come on guys, let's just give him a chance. Let's just see what he can do. And so uh, one of the kids was like, yeah, go have them go over there. Because they were like on one side of the banner. So it points to me and then slides over a box of markers. And so I'm thinking like, okay, cool. Like, no problem. I'll just do my thing. I did a triceratops, a really big one. I finished with it and everything. And I got up and kind of just went back into the classroom. And the Sanchez comes back in. She was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. And I said, yeah, thank you for doing that. No, no, just let's have you do more. Let's go ahead and just have you do more. So I did it, and then from there on, I just had this amazing relationship with Oswaldo. It was it was just like it, like I was part of his like little crew, little clique thing, and uh, yeah. So the I'll, band kids, you became part of the art kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was pretty much like the first time that I ever did anything art wise. Well, it, so it obviously started at a very young age in life. Did you ever, at some point in that in that time period, did you ever feel like you would? have a career in art, like that's what you want to do for the rest of your life? You know, the kid's adage of, this is what I want to do when I grow up kind of thing? Not really. It was, so it was more just kind of a side passion, something you Yeah, it, it really was. It was a side passion. Uh, going back to that other part of the question you were saying, uh, when was the, like, the first instance or something that resonated with you? Yeah, I was just like, you know, um, there's certain moments, it doesn't matter how young you were, like where it stands out of that pivotal moment of like, wow, I did this one thing and that really shaped me. And it sounds like your interaction with the kids mm-hmm. and that you know that relationship you yeah. bonded with um so since you didn't actually it sounds like even though it was something you enjoyed doing through school you didn't think it would be where you would do ultimately as a career but ironically you did go to art school for a semester or two you mentioned in the book so how did that happen do you just um why did that become your path why did you think that might work because i thought i needed it uh-huh. i really thought that was something that I needed to have under my belt, you know, because... So, like, from a credibility, not from yeah, a skills perspective? Absolutely. But like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To validate I, you what know, you were doing. High school was telling you that. Yeah. Colleges were telling you that. You know, they were saying, hey, you need a certification. You need some sort of degree that says, hey, that you're able to do this. So that eventually when they do look at it, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's... He knows his you're stuff. Legit. Yeah, you're legit, you know, because you do all this stuff. And yeah, but sure. during that time, I was just like, okay, let's just, let's just try it. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see if it works. 
And was it ultimately just too much structure for you that you didn't want to go down that path? Um, it was a mixture of structure and support, support from the institution of arts. There's a, one particular situation where, um, at the time, like you had, a, you, you can actually change your major from graphic design to animation. And I was like, yeah, let's try that. Let me see if I can do that, please. Like, I want to do that. And I had some animation background. I know how to do the stills and I can't put it on a computer, obviously, but I know how to do it, you know, the old school way, just, um, free flowing on paper. And I remember this teacher, I told her I wanted to do that. So she pretty much takes my hand, pulls me into the animation room and shows me all these kids in a room with uh, a still life right in the middle. And they're drawing it in all these different variations, all these different poses. And it's, it's literally in one pose. So you have to take that one pose that they have and you have to animate it like it's getting up yeah. or it's swiveling. It's yeah. You got to be able to do all that stuff. And I understood that concept. I understood how to do that. I just needed to apply it. I didn't sure. show her. But she pretty much pulled me in the room and said, can you do this? And I said, yes. Yes, I can. She was like, well, we don't have time to show you. That's what she said. We don't have time to show you. You're either at this level or you're not. And that was it. And I left. I never went back. Wow. Well, they're lost, my friend. It, it was actually one of those things where, like, had I pursued it, I believe I wouldn't have been as happy as I am now. Right. I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like those bumps on the journey or those pivots that yeah. make it worth it. Well, um, we stepped back into your, your life. You're still a very young man, of course. Um, but let's uh, let's fast forward a bit. So can you tell us about your journey? So you early on, uh, your Zappos journey, I should say, you spoke about your roles in our call center and the various things you did. Um, I understand that as far as your kind of venturing outside of your comfort zone in mm-hmm. different roles at Zappos really happened originally from um, a PEC card you designed, which I'm told means personal emotional connection. But um, can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so it was, well, the PEC, the personal emotional connection cards are just an opportunity for us to um, reconnect with our customers and you can write a sweet little message. You can send them stickers, something that you, you know, cut out through construction paper. Um, and maybe there's something that reminds you of them that you can slip into the envelope and send it off to them. A lot of the calls and customers and connecting with customers, they would tell me about the city they live in. They tell me about um, the kind of car they drive. They tell me just like little, like little bits and pieces, pieces yeah. here. And so what I would do is I try to remember like those particular things and I would research like, the town they're from, the city that they're from. And then I would base my design based off of that. Like maybe there's a building that they live right across the street from that they can see. Maybe so cool. Maybe do like, and I had like a water uh, watercolor palette. Um, and I would just do like a really quick sunset and then do like a silhouette of the of the building and then just put thank you so much. It's kind of like, you know, like a, like a greeting Something card. Something special though. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, or maybe like, a rose, uh, something hand-drawn like a rose, you know, maybe because they, they remember a particular day, like today, they, they would say today's the day, like, I lost my dog or something like that, or something along some the lines of that. Like, what kind, of, what kind of dog did you have? And they would tell me that, and it was just a cool, quick little rendering of a dog, and, you know, and his paw on the Zappos box, just something really yeah. simple, and um, just, you know. Well, so that was obviously really... Um, not just PC, but not just a connection there, but a really cool thing between you and that customer mm-hmm. and meant something to them yeah. on like an individual basis. So how did that go from something that you were doing for individual customers to something that became like a bigger, you know, project for you, if you will, within Zappos? They got to be very uh, popular, I guess. Uh-huh. I get 
it gets, got to the point where people were just seeing the work and they started asking, like, hey, can you do this for so us? People are basically having you design things outside of cars, mm-hmm. just all kinds of, like, yeah. flyers and stuff around Flyers, campus. posters, wow. uh, signage for events. Uh, I remember doing stuff for EA, for uh, the fun team, uh, just a bunch of other uh, departments here. But they was just like, hey, like, we just need this. It's like, yeah, no problem. Just drop it off at my desk and I'll do it. And, and yeah, it was, it was just like that. And you were doing these on the side, like you were still doing like your quote unquote day job, but you were doing this outside of your regular job, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, a lot of the work that I did before I moved into this role, um, yeah, it was just all my own time. I would come here before my shift, a few hours, and then after my shift, just so I can complete a piece or a project for somebody, just because like, I felt I felt they needed it. I felt yeah. that that was the reason they needed to connect with somebody or an event or an experience, whatever, like just to do it, just to do it, you know? Well, I'm happy that you're now, your talents are being spent full-time on art and making our campus beautiful and doing so many really cool things. Can you talk about, like, kind of a, that actual transition? So we've talked about a lot of deep background, mm-hmm. kind of, and, yeah. like, initially what led up to it. But what was the switch that flipped where it was, like, basically you went from being somebody who was um, wowing our customers in the call center to somebody who got to pursue their passions and do art full-time? What was that kind of transition? Wow. Um it's kind of hard for me to explain because there were so many situations, so many parts that went into this. But if anything, like it was just a lot of preparing, a lot of resources, a lot of research, actually, a lot of um, meetings and, and a lot of planning, um, things I've never, ever done before. Like I'm just used to just showing up to work and doing the nine to five thing and then clocking right. out. But, you know, what, what was being asked of me was, hey, if this scary. <laughs> well, it's scary, but if, if you're passionate about it and you value it and yeah. other people see it and you're you're asking for help and people genuinely see that you want to do this, they'll get involved. They'll pursue it with you because, you know, they benefit from it also. Well, it's interesting on that point where you're talking about how, like, there were things that were harder to navigate because you hadn't done them before. So it's almost like you were reading my notes, which you aren't because my laptop's facing this way, of course. <laughs> so this could be bias on my part, uh, Miguel, but mm-hmm. I think this kind of leads into it. Um, like a dichotomy that I often think of personally, mm-hmm. where I think of people tend to be stronger on either the art or the science side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually the subject matter of our very first podcast episode this time around. So you're obviously very creative and artistic, but how have you navigated the science or the business side of your time now at Zappos, now that you're, you're basically your own business? How has that been? It's, You're like, how long do we have? <laughs> uh, um, it's it's just as hard as I, I first started. It's just as hard. But if you're willing to put in the time and, and learn and, and really research and dive into what it means to, like, to even start it and see the bigger picture of things, um, you, you've got, really got nothing to lose. you got everything to gain. Uh, and others have a lot to gain, too, by, you know, by emulating or following any of your footsteps, whatever, because... You're literally paving the way for doing all that. What, what the science is, um, what it's taught me actually, what is to is to create a tool to navigate through them. And, and but at the same time, the tool that I'm using are actually the tool that I that I've that I've learned in the last four or five years being in CLT. That's well, interesting. So that built the foundation. It, it really for did. Your success now. It really did. Yeah, yeah. Everything that I've I've been trying to apply has something to do with what I've learned here at Zappos. Well, I'll throw you a big curveball here, and I know it's like with your children, you can't pick your favorites, but um, 
you know, even new visitors to campus can mm-hmm. see your work everywhere, basically. I mean, there's chalk murals up on walls. There are paintings when you're coming in from the parking structure. I mean, there's touches of things that you have done for years, literally all over campus mm-hmm. now, which I imagine gives you just a huge sense of pride. But um, are there any of those that really stand out for whatever reason? Like this was the first mural I did or this was this this was special for that regard. Are there is there one or two that stands out to you that are like your your favorites, basically? Like I said, I know it's like picking your favorite yeah. child. So, well, one of them was um, it was um, Biggie Biggie Smalls. Mm-hmm. That was where Beyonce used to be, and the reason for that is because um, at the time I didn't really know anybody on the AV team, and so um, Mikey Mikey came up to me. He's like, "Hey, um, like I see you doing some stuff around campus. Um, hey, would you be cool to put up a Biggie here?" But this. You know, uh, I think it's it's all good, baby, baby, or something like that. And I said, yeah, hell yeah, that'd be, look, that'd be freaking cool. Like, that's a really good idea. Like, why not? And I love that he just, he kind of just mapped it out in my head, and I saw it. I was like, that's perfect. Yeah, let's do it. And then, um, but that was one of my, that was one. And then the other one was um, the Mona Lisa um, down in the garage. Um, not a lot of people know this, but that Mona Lisa down there is made all with the, the soot and the dirt from the stairwell. It's not paint. It's not really? It's not paint. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's not paint. It's not any kind of, it's just, it's literally, it's, so when you it was. You took dirt and you made art. <laughs> yeah, and you just, I just took the, the, the soot that's been there since what, the 70s or something, the 80s, whatever. It's, it's packed. Sounds hazardous, by the way. It probably is. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a good clean bill of health. Okay, I, perfect. I can tell Excellent. you that. I'm, I'm good. Um, but. Yeah, um, that was the hardest thing I I did, but it actually turned out to be the easiest thing I did because all I had to do was create my palette, and then my canvas was there, and I just needed like um, to bring her out, and and it was just it was just creating the palette, and then using a bottle of soap and a rag to create the highlights, and just to rub it all the highlights out. And that's all I, I did. I want to go look at it again now that I know that it was made out of soot. Yeah, so it's just and <laughs> that, that was so cool. That was my first version of dirt art. And wow. I've always wanted to replicate it. I wanted yeah. to do that entire wall, that entire wall. But then I figured that it's going to take a minute. So. <laughs> a few minutes. Yeah, so um, I just stopped. Well, I've heard a rumor that the mayor of Las Vegas dedicated a day to you. Um, I've met the mayor on several occasions. She has not dedicated a day to me. So you have clearly made an impression <laughs> on her that I have not. So what's what's that all about? Tell us about that. Um, that, was, um, that was unexpected. That was something that I didn't even think that would happen in my life or in in the life of Zappos and I'm really really humbled by it I'm really it was one of the like one of those moments where I was like what like I have my own day in the city of Las Vegas in the state of Nevada like in the nation tell your friends and family like what Uh, but it was it was because we did a well um, Sam Armenta he's actually the guy that helped me do the the mural fill fill in the mural Um, amazing amazing artist too Um, but after we did the mural for the mom museum and the mom and the, that mural was actually, um, they wanted it, they wanted it specifically for the mob museum. They wanted it to be themed around the mom museum. So, um, I took pretty much the building colors, the, the, the brickwork, the brickwork, the framework, the window color tint and all that stuff. And I put it on the, the little sidewall on the back. And then I added a Duesenberg and a Rolls Royce from the 1930s. Um, those particular cars actually don't, there's something there's something different about those cars, and I'll tell you, for everybody else, uh, you know this is my work. I didn't sign it, 
but you know it's my work because the emblems on both the cars, the the, the Rolls Royce emblem and the Husenberg, they're off the cars. So you know those are my works because I just it. I leave those things off so that you can tell. Like a sense of discovery, super mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, I've heard you mention that you know you spent most of your life in on jobs that revolved around customer service and providing a good customer experience. So how do you think that's helped you in working with customers for your art? Because you have internal and external customers yeah. now, correct? You yeah. do work outside of Zappos. Mm -hmm. Well, well, how that's helped me is is it it brings me back to my roots. It's it, it allows me to engage with customers face to face. You know, a, a lot of that's really rare now these days. Um, there's there's no in you know formal interaction with doing business with somebody anymore. It's all through email, through through Instagram, through a chat, through a live feed, or something like that. There's not never a one on one conversation. I'm like, hey, you know, yeah, I, I totally see your vision. I see what you're getting, and you know, you, you want people to to understand what they're buying and and what they're what they're valuing and what they're seeing by having a one on one interaction with your customers and. I'm the customer too because you know I'm listening, I'm paying attention, listening, and, and being able to provide you something that you want and you need, and you can't do that um, on, on a computer device. I, I think, I believe, and that's really helped me through any through all of it actually. Well, um, I have just two last questions. I promise, and I will set you free. No, no, you're good. This first one is it is there is a question in here. You know, I like mm -hmm. to babble a lot, but. Um, um, I first wanted to actually share with our listeners a particular quote from you, from the book. Um, you were talking about how you put yourself into your work and how you see that as a transfer of mm -hmm. energy. And you said, um, that energy says, I want to do something really good, but also something that's calm and warm. Work shouldn't be too serious. There are several parts to it, but at the end of the day, these paintings I do say that you can still be part of a bigger picture. So um, I promise I won't get super zen or do art puns about picture. Um, but how your how has your art become a bigger picture outside of Zappos? Not not just the actual things that you've done, but how do you feel that has spread some of that warmth and that energy that you've been focused on? Well, I know like art is subject to interpretation. Um, but if you, if you took the time to look at a mural or, or work or work that I've done, um, I'm telling you more, I'm, I'm telling you a lot more than just an image. Um, I, I believe I'm telling you, I'm telling you what's the reason why I chose this color, but what's the reason why I chose this image and what's the reason why I wanted to incorporate it with these kind of things or, or even better, um, why would I, why would I even think about doing it this way? Well, because it's actually, it's actually less, it's actually uh, inexpensive to do it this way. It's actually better to do it this way because it brings, it draws people in, um, and not only just to draw people in, but it actually like it excites them. It makes them feel really amazing, or sometimes it calms them down because this particular shade of blue is just, it's just right there, and it, and it actually in a it enhances the entire room and it makes it look so much brighter and, and clearer. And right there you have a moment where you're, you're just like, Oh, okay, cool. Like you have, you, you immediately, immediately you change your mood. You change just by what you saw, but little did you know, like there was some thought that went into the color. There's some thought that went into the scale. There was some thought that went into this particular person and what this means at this crucial time in our lives here at Zappos, you know, and there's, there's those things that I, I hope people are, are taken into account while they're looking in, into my work and, 
and I, but sometimes they're not and that's okay you know that's fine but I think that's what I'm just trying to say like you know with the calmness with the you know feeling good feeling warm like um I'm gonna try to do that in so it's all very purposeful basically yeah that's pretty much it yeah so I guess uh, good news again last question anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with to kind of wrap up with everything that's going to come out of this um, this book I think it's really important to say you just got to do it you got to find some way of just you know powering through every day and if there's anything I would really try to do and try to have people do as much as possible and that's communicate try to say hello and I, I can't put enough emphasis on communicate so important and if you're not communicating nothing's going to happen nothing's going to be said nothing's going to be heard nothing's going to be put into action you got to communicate I'm a communications fan, so that's perfect. We are aligned, my friend. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Miguel. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, Miguel Hernandez from Dunn in Color. Thanks, Jean. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Zappos Podcast. We'll continue to release episodes each week with conversations with Zappos employees as told in the recently released Power of Wow book. Support for the Zappos Podcast comes from ZapposProductionGroup.com which aims to wow the world by breathing life into every event planner's vision.